Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. Get your Bibles and your notes out. Uh, I want you to find two places in your Bibles today. I'm going to ask you to look at Luke chapter 24, verse 1, Luke 24, 1. Find that in your Bibles. And then a second place, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. So it's easy, Luke 24, 1, Ephesians 2, 1. Leave that up there for just a second so everyone can find those places in your Bible. Uh, while you're looking that up, just want to tell you that I'm continuing with my Tim at 12 series this Wednesday. It's every Wednesday at noon. And right now I'm, I'm teaching on a question because I've let people submit questions about prophecy, the end times, the supernatural. And one of the questions came in is like, which signs still remain before the coming of the Lord? So to, uh, Wednesday, I'm going to be talking about that Wednesday at noon. I hope you'll join me. You can find that on the City Life app, also on the church, uh, the, uh, the City Life Church Facebook page and City Life Church YouTube channel, all that kind of stuff. Hey, I also just want to thank you guys for continuing to give toward the Ukraine uh, Convoy of Hope uh, work. And if you've, if you've not yet given, we didn't mention it this morning, but, but again, it's, it's something that is ongoing. So if you're able to give to that, we're able to immediately get those funds into the hands of Convoy of Hope because they are on location. They're continuing. Their job is they're ministering to the refugees that are coming out of Ukraine. And that is where the greatest need is right now. That's where Christians can really share a lot of love. And I'll tell you what's different about that and the Red Cross. I love, you know, what the Red Cross does. That's wonderful. Or other organizations. Convoy of Hope is different because they do all the same stuff those other organizations do, and they've been around a good long time, so they're stable. That's one of, they're one of the most highly respected, recognized relief organizations in the world. But what they do is they work through local Christian churches so that when they are there, they, they, they have volunteers from these churches that are part of that, but the pastors and the people from these churches are there to minister to the people who are hurting, and they're able to pull them into their churches and, and give them a family. That's something that the world can't offer that the church can. That's why I am a big fan, fan of Convoy of Hope, and I want to encourage you in that, and it's still available on the City Life app, also out there at the giving station to give through Convoy to, uh, to the Ukraine refugee crisis. Well, today's message is appropriately entitled, especially after that song, We Believe. We Believe. You know, there are a lot of beliefs that are out there. In fact, the, the beliefs that are happening around us all the time, it's more widely varied than ever before. So, so first of all, do you believe? And secondly, what do you believe? Now, I don't pull my beliefs from my imagination. I just don't walk down the road and say, I'm going to choose to believe this or choose to believe that because that's actually what the culture is doing right now. Well, I can just believe this about me or I can just believe this about the world and that's my reality, but it's not. It's, it's, it's not. It's not. See, my beliefs come from established truths that are found in the timeless Word of God. And, and really, it all hinges around and it's all about the resurrection. So I asked you to find Luke chapter 24, verse 1 in your Bibles, because that's where we're going to start today, looking at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Luke 24, 1, follow along with me in your Bibles. It says, on the first day of the week, 
That was an early Sunday morning. Very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they could not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. These were two massive angels of God. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Now, that moment changed everything. That Sunday, actually, that Sunday morning really put a lot of things into motion that continues until this day, and we believe this story. In fact, the first thing that we believe is we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, that's, that's a pretty simple statement. Most of us would agree with that. Uh, most of you, you know the story of the resurrection. I part, just read part of it just now. The, so the majority of you believe in the resurrection. But I want to ask another question today. Why was it necessary I mean, how does it impact you personally? What does the resurrection really, really mean? So Jesus Christ came out of the tomb. Hooray. Is that it? No, it's not. No, it's not. And the, the truth is, those questions I just asked you, they're all part of the gospel. And a lot of people don't even really know all of the gospel. In fact, I think a lot of preachers don't even know all of the gospel. But I'll tell you this much. The gospel has changed my life in a very, very significant way. A little bit about my background. I was raised in a Christian home. And I'll be really honest with you. I was blessed. Just talking to my mother last night, and she was texting me again this morning. So grateful for the Christian upbringing that I had. And, and I was very, very, very blessed. She was telling me today, your dad, who was a pastor, she said, your dad, uh, was, you know, Easter was his favorite day of the entire year. Like, yeah, I know, Mom. I remember. I remember so well. Mom would get us new clothes all the time. In fact, she asked me last night, did you get yourself some new clothes for Easter? I said, I don't do that anymore, Mom. But uh, <laughs> I just, I have clothes. I'm I'm fine. I'm fine. But, but, uh, but, but she would have these nice little outfits. And, and when I was a little kid, she'd all have those shorts and knee socks. You know, that, that, was a, that was the thing back in the 60s and early 70s. But, but I, would, I, would, uh, I, I would be so excited about Easter all the time. And, and I, I loved church. I loved, I loved the things of God. I was the fourth of four boys with a younger sister. Please understand, one, two, three, older, older brothers. That means they beat up on you all the time. I'm number four. I can't beat back up on them because that doesn't work. And if you have older brothers, you understand what that means. You can fight all you want. You might get a little bit in there, but still, you're going to lose. It doesn't matter what. But I couldn't wait till the next kid came along because that's my chance. But then a sister came, and I realized very quickly I can't do the same. Still, that, if there was anything traumatic in my life, it was that right there. It was just like, that's, that's, my, that's my trauma, that's my wound. But you know what? The, the truth is, though, I gave my life to Jesus at a very early age. I remember my dad preaching the gospel. At the age of three, I, I asked Jesus to come into my heart. I remember the moment clearly. I do. At the age of seven, or at the, actually it was the age of six, I was baptized in water. If you've never been baptized in water, it's the Lord's command to do so. And I want you to do it. Now, next Sunday, let's do that. I was baptized in water at the age of six. 
filled with the Holy Spirit at the age of seven and began leading ministry in the church at the age of 13. Because in our church, I, 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 was, I was 13. I said, you know, mom, dad, why don't we have a children's church? I said, well, there's nobody to lead it. It's like, well, I'll do it. And, and they kind of looked at me and said, okay. And so, so that, that was my first opportunity. I started leading children's church when I, was, when I was 13 years old, and I loved it. And I ended up being a children's pastor, and I did that until I was 30 years old. So that, that lasted quite a while. But I was this imperfect teenager really striving to please God. I wanted to please God in everything that, that I, I could do. And about the age of 17, I realized something that had never clicked with me before, that I would actually be rewarded in eternity based upon what I did for Jesus on this earth as a Christian. That, for me, was a game changer. I decided to go ahead and go to college and, and uh, begin to prepare to be a pastor. And, and I, had, I had actually had the call of God on my life since the age of three also. I had had a vision, a night vision, a dream, and where God had called me to be a pastor. But, but I resisted it all of my life. The reason I resisted it, because I was from a pastor's home, and I saw that you know being, a, being in a pastor's home is not all glitz and glamour and fun. There's, there's a lot of toughness. There's a lot of trials. There's a lot of things we had to go through as a family and a pastor's family. And I ran from it. But at the age of 17, I had an encounter with God. God encountered me, and I, I began studying the story of the gospel like never before, the story of Jesus, the redemption, the cross, and the resurrection, and I realized something was critical there that I had never really fully ingested it. Well, I've been processing all these thoughts and making notes for today's message for a long time, and it was all racing through my mind, as it typically does. About midweek, I, 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 the, the first, just a little bit about my weeks. The first cu- couple days of the week, first two, three days, are pretty much uh, doing administrative work, meetings, and things like that. The latter part of my week, I just kind of go into the zone where I'm just processing and working through the last details of putting together the, the message for the coming Sunday. And I was doing that this week, and I, I, I was stuck. I mean, it was 1 a.m., <laughs> and I was in bed. I couldn't go to sleep because my mind kept racing. And uh, how can I phrase this? How can I picture this? How can I illustrate what I'm about to share with you here in a minute? And, and I, I wanted to illustrate, and then I thought, ah, I'll create some diagrams for everybody. And so I got really excited. I got out of bed, and I, I did like th- about three different drafts of the diagrams, and I put them down on my desk. I thought, okay, now I can go to sleep. But I was so excited about them. As soon as the morning, as soon as it was I mean, early in the morning, for anybody who was up, I was back at the computer. I slept maybe three hours, back at the computer, and I was putting this together. So what you're going to see today <laughs> are my diagrams from my computer, and they're not cool. I'm not a graphic artist. I'm a preacher. So if you're looking for something slick and cool and beautifully professionally done, sorry, I ain't got that. But I do think that you'll get it by what I'm about, what I'm going to be showing you today. And it, it's, I, I really, I'm hoping this imagery is going to help you. Uh, it's going to educate you. I, I'm praying that it's going to really motivate you to serve Jesus with passion and enthusiasm. And really, it's all about what we believe. So here's another thing we believe. We believe Jesus is the hands and voice of God. That's important. You have to start with that. You see, what what the Father God wanted to accomplish, whatever God the Father wanted to say, he did it through Jesus. And what Jesus did is he made himself available to God, available to the Father, and came into human flesh so it could be done. So here's the first part of my diagram. 
Father God, you like the crown there? Okay, that's, that's God, he's the king, all right? So Father God gave Jesus a son, and I know that's actually a son, S-U-N, but I thought since he sheds light on everything, that's the son. So, so if there's anything a little quirky here, just get over it. All right, and then, then, but what Jesus does is he is the hands and the voice of God. So God sent his son Jesus to the earth. He was to be his agent, and the Father speaks through Jesus. Now, most people, a lot of people actually leave their faith right there. They leave Christianity right there. They, they say, well, uh, this, is, this is what it's about, and I like that part of the story, and, and, and that's it. But, but I want to tell you something. I would not be motivated to serve a God if that's all that happened. I'm just telling you the truth. I don't, I don't think I would be motivated to do it. Jesus, a great teacher, he, was a, he worked miracles. He showed the world what God is all about. Yeah, but that's not enough for me to say, I want that. I'm going to serve that God. Maybe you're different, but I needed a little bit more. And so I'm not going to sell you short today. We're going to go a little bit further than this. You see, but, but, but this is important. Now, actually, this is foundational. It's critical because uh, John chapter 14, verses 8 through 10 says this. It says actually three really significant things. And you can look this up later about Jesus' relationship with his father. And, uh, and, and Jesus, he, he actually spoke the father's words. Jesus uh, actually did the father's works. See, Jesus didn't do anything through his own skills and abilities. He did it through the working of God through him. And Jesus also said, when you see me, you've seen the Father. So this was actually one of the critical elements that began to grab my heart when I was 17 years old because I began to realize that Jesus was God's agent and he was 100% submitted to the Father. More to come on that, all right? So let's, let's dive back in. So, so there's more to the story of the gospel. And here it goes a little bit further. We believe that sin is toxic and it brings death. That has to be woven into the story no matter how you look at it. See, the description I came up with is like sin, it's like radioactive poison. That's really what it's like. And so you get a small, you know, you're going to have some radioactive poison. You're going to just have a little bit, a teaspoon of it. Well, sorry, but the smallest amount of that is a death sentence. Do you get that? So that's what sin is like. But God sent Jesus into this world, not only to be his hands and his voice, but God sent Jesus into this world to deal with this sin issue. God didn't want his creation to perish as a result of this toxicity, of this sin. And so I illustrated it like this. You see, sin is poison. The smallest drop of sin, the smallest drop of it will kill you. See, the problem, though, is that every single person has sinned. In fact, we needed Jesus to come on the scene because of the toxic nature of sin. It's just like, so, so it's, it's kind of like this. You know, when you work a job, you get paid. You get wages. You get money. And so you're always happy to see that magically appear in your bank account or you get that paper check or someone's paying you with cash, whatever. That's your business. But, but the, the truth is sin is like that, except it's not a positive wage. It is a negative wage. Scripture says the wages of sin, what you get paid for because you sin, is you get to die. So, so sin is poison. We've got to get this. It infects every single human being on earth. Now, but Jesus comes into this earth 
not only as the hands and voice of God, but as a sinless one, and he was the only sinless one to be on this earth. So here's another thing that we believe. We believe that people are dead in sin without Jesus. People are dead in sin if they don't have Jesus. In fact, they're already dead in it, and that's part of the mystery of this. Uh, in fact, John 3.18 tells us that whoever doesn't believe in Jesus is condemned already because they didn't believe. And so I've illustrated it like this. Underneath sin, you see, is the problem. We're all born into this sin. We're, we're destined for this eternal death, and that eternal death is in hell. We are under a death sentence of toxic sin. Now, now I ask you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. So I'm going to ask you to follow with me from now all the way through the end of the message because I'm going to begin to break this down a little bit for you. All right, but, but this is an amazing passage that explains so much. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. As for you, you were dead. Do you get that? You were dead. You might say, well, but they were alive walking around. No. You see, even if you take a bunch of radioactive stuff, you might still be alive walking around, but it's going to... It, it's not, it's not going to work, okay? There's going to be death coming. So, so as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. And of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, they're talking about Satan here, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them, that means among sinners, at one time, and what sin causes you to do is, look, cra gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Now, okay, hold your place there. So get this. Everyone has been there. In fact, most of the world is there right now. Uh, there's this problem with creation. We're all deserving the wrath of God. Sin is toxic. Sin is, uh, sin is in us. You get that? Sin's toxicity will kill us all, and there's no way around that <laughs> because basically, and basically you're dead already. You're, you're, a, you're walking dead. But what do we believe? We believe that Jesus became sin for us. Do you realize that? Jesus literally became sin for us. Now, I, I talked about this last Sunday, uh, Jesus on the cross, and, and Jesus went through this horrible physical agony, but the physical agony was not what killed him. Do you know that? He literally took the sin of the world, that all, every sin that had been committed since the beginning of time, since, since Cain first killed Abel, and went all the way to that moment and then into the future, every sin that was about to be committed, every sin that you even committed, even yesterday or this morning or next week or anyone who commits a sin in the next 10, 20 years, until the coming of the Lord, all of that sin, all of that toxicity, all of that radioactive gunk, in a sense, was dumped on Jesus. It was placed on him. But he actually, he absorbed the sin. And absorbing the toxicity is what killed Jesus. Now take a look at the diagram. See, you see Jesus, you look at Jesus in the center again. Jesus took the sin, the toxicity, and put it on himself, and that was death on the cross. 
Now, my, my computer didn't have like a Christian cross image, and because I'm just so bad with graphics, I found that, which was the closest. It's a cross and there's death. So you guys going to have to work with me on that, on that okay? Y'all good with that? Okay, it's, it's good. If someone wants to fix that and create your own one for me, thank you in advance. But, but look at that. He became sin. He became like radioactive, toxic himself. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says this. It says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. Get that? So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So you're beginning to understand the power of the cross, power of what Jesus Christ did for us. So after this, after Jesus gave his life, things began to shift. After he became sin, we believe this. We believe we have a free will to choose the cross, or to choose hell. Now, it's a personal choice. You have the choice of what you're going to do with your own toxicity. You have to choose. How am I going to deal with this? That's really what this is about. How am I going to deal with this toxicity? See, death has already been prescribed for you because once sin enters in, it's, it's over. So you have to choose death. You really do. So which death are you going to choose? Are you going to choose death in an eternity in hell? Or are you going to choose death that, that, is, that is in Jesus Christ? You have to choose one of the two. Get that? You have to choose death. I know people say choose life. Yeah, but you've got to choose which death you're going to associate yourself with in order to move forward into the plan of God for your life. See, everyone on this earth now has a choice. That's why I put it between the two dudes with those, those like hard hats right there. It says, everyone must Choose. What are you going to choose? Hell and eternal death and judgment, or are you going to choose the other death, the death of Jesus Christ? You get to choose. Jesus gave us, God gave us this free gift. It was his son, Jesus Christ. And when we embrace the cross where Jesus already paid the death penalty for our own toxicity by taking it upon himself and becoming sin, that's the answer. But, but get this. No one is going to force you. No one is going to force you. You have a free will in this. So the question for salvation is, what are you going to do with your free will? What are you going to do with that? Now, looking again at Romans 6, 23, which I shared earlier, the wages of sin is death, but it also says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. So to me, it's a no-brainer. I'm going to take the gift. I don't want to have to do death on my own. I want to take the gift. Now, now look back in your Bibles in Ephesians chapter 2. Look at verse 4 right now. Look at this. It says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. See those words? Alive with Christ. Even when we were dead, you get that? We were dead in our transgressions, in our toxicity. It is by grace you have been saved. Okay, hold your place there. So through Jesus' death on the cross, we who were already dead in sin, we are made alive right alongside, right along with Jesus Christ because Jesus was made alive in the resurrection. So here's what we believe. We believe we are resurrected with Christ. All right, we were dead. We're not dead anymore. Jesus rose from the grave, and the toxicity of sin did not send him into eternal death because he was sinless to begin with. And so he arose, which now gives us hope. And I'll tell you what, when I see that, I'll tell you, I can serve a God like that. I can serve a God like that. 
Here's how I illustrate it in my little interesting graphic. So the, the only way that you're going to get resurrection cross, resurrection life, is to go through the death of Jesus Christ and receive that. <laughs> I mean, get this. Jesus' resurrection on Resurrection Sunday means that we are resurrected as well. So happy Easter! <laughs> resurrection Sunday is something to celebrate the resurrection of Christ is not some distant historical thing. No, resurrection is a current reality in this room right now. Oh, come on. I like this. All right. That, that, that's, that's the story of Easter. Now, you see, this is right in the middle of it all. Okay, got to look at verse number six, though. Ephesians chapter two, verse six. It says, and God raised us up from the dead, because <laughs> you're already dead. You, you guys getting that part, right? A lot of people don't realize that. You were already dead. One sin, boom, you're dead. Okay. But God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Now, that's just crazy to think about. What did you do to deserve that? You say, nothing. You didn't. <laughs> you didn't. You just accepted the fact, hey, I'm going to choose the route of Jesus' death instead of my own eternal death in hell. I, I think I'll choose that. Do you guys see how simple this is? I, you see how simple this is? If people understand the simplicity of it, they would never wrestle over the whole issue of salvation. Okay, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. I love that. In order, to, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us. In Christ Jesus. Okay, hold your place there. Again, get this. God loves you. You are his family. We are children of God. Now, being children of God, you have benefits. There's benefits in the family, all right? You have uh, freedom from eternal death and hell. We already know that. But there's no fear of the coming judgment of God. You have eternal life. You have healing. You have hope. You have deliverance. You have help. You have direction in your life. You have comfort. You have peace in your life. You have Christian family. You have supernatural provision. You have, you have protection from evil. You have joy. You have miracles like Adrian and Elizabeth sang about. Are you guys getting this? Those are the benefits of the family. I like preaching about the benefits, and those are good things. <laughs> but there's more to the story than that. It's beautiful, though. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Look at this. Look at this. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And it's not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Okay, again, hold your place. Save from what? When someone says, I'm saved, what are you saved from? Well, you're saved from your own eternal death. You're saved from the reality that you're going to have to die in hell. Now, that's a pretty good thing. But it's also clear here, clear here that there is no amount of good deeds you can do. There's no amount of community service that you can do. There's no amount of giving to the American Cancer Association that you can do that's going to change this for you. It is a gift from God. None of the good stuff you can ever do will make the toxicity go away. Think again, like if you're radioactive, you can do all kinds of good stuff. Is that going to make the radioactivity go away? No, no, it doesn't go away that way. See, we've been given this gift and I love it because this is a gift that has been equally distributed to all mankind and all people have to do is pick up the gift, receive it, accept it and say, okay, that's mine. Now, Many folks, again, will leave the gospel right there. 
saying, okay, well, that's it. We get all these good things. We're going to get in heaven forever. Yay, hurrah, hurrah. And, and, and I'm all for that. I'm telling you, I'm all for everything I've already said. But there's more to it. And, and really those more part that I'm about to share with you is really what got a hold of my life as a 17-year-old, which I thought there's a reason and there's a purpose for this above just getting into heaven and having the nice blessings of God. And I tell you what, I love the blessings of God. I don't preach against that. I, I'm all for that. I love all that stuff. But God wants this message to get out because he wants to grow his family. He's not willing that one person, he doesn't want anyone to spend an eternity in hell. And he could poof and just make sure, make it all happen on his own. But no, he's given us free will. That's the problem. That's the choice. And that's what we have to deal with on this earth. We have to help other people. So in other words, we believe that we are Jesus, hands, and voice. Now, going back to the beginning, do you remember how Jesus was the hands and voice of God the Father. Now, because of his resurrection, we are now the hands and voice of Jesus. And this is what changed my life. I received, just realized this. I was like, what? I, I was going to say, what a stinking honor. It is a stinking honor to, to, to actually be the hands and the voice of Jesus Christ. And so for me, as a 17-year-old boy dealing with everything that every teenage boy deals with and struggles with, no longer was my focus on striving to do everything just right so that God wouldn't zap me and be a good teenage boy. No, I, it was no longer focused on trying really, really, really hard not to sin each day because I didn't have to focus on that anymore. My focus shifted. My focus now became on being Jesus' hands and being his voice. And that actually changed everything about me. And the other became a whole lot easier. Now take a look back at the diagram. You see, you see the correlation between what, Jesus, what God did for Jesus at the top and what Jesus did for us, making us his hands and voice. Now again, this was all initiated. This all was launched back on Resurrection Day. Uh, now, there is a part of the resurrection story that unfortunately is seldom told in churches on Resurrection Sunday. But I'm going to tell you this other part of Resurrection Day story and because I think it is more impactful than the ladies showing up at the tomb and seeing it empty because, yeah, that's the start of it, but there's more that happened. And this part, is when it gets really, really, really good. Okay, you see, that same day, about 12 hours after the discovery of the empty tomb, Jesus miraculously appeared to his disciples. And they were still scared. They had heard from the women already, but they were still scared. And they were not convinced that Jesus was resurrected. How could that be? That just don't happen, you know? Okay, they, he was dead. He was dead. And they couldn't figure this out. Now, John chapter 20, verse 19, I want to read this to you. This is what happened later that day. This is part of Resurrection Sunday. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them. In other words, he actually just walked through the wall because these guys were locked in because they were scared. They were like being scaredy babies. They, they were like, oh, no, somebody's going to come get us and crucify us too. I mean, I'd probably be a scaredy baby too, just to be honest with you. But, but they were all locked in. Jesus is he goes through the walls. He walks there. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Now, now, peace be with you is a common Jewish greeting. It would have been shalom. He would have come basically say shalom upon you. And that's, you know, multitude of blessings. It's more than just peace. 
And he puts his hands at his side to, to, to prove to them that he was Jesus because of the scarring on his body. Scriptures also even say he was unrecognizable. So they wouldn't have recognized him as being Jesus, the one they had spent two and a half years with. So he showed them his body. And, and it says the disciples were overjoyed. They weren't just happy. They didn't have joy. They just went over the top with their joy when they saw the Lord. So they went from terror to being overjoyed. Terror, I mean, a, a beat up, you know, like, you know, you, you've seen the zombie shows. Most of you have. Like that, walking into the middle of your room, and then all of a sudden, boom, boom. And it's like, I was messed up. His body didn't look pretty. I know the images show him looking pretty, but why didn't the disciples recognize him? Because he wasn't pretty at the resurrection. He wasn't. He was, pre- he was pretty beat up. And they were freaking out, and they go from that to just elation, and they're overjoyed. And so Jesus, again, had to say, okay, peace, 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 because at this point, they certainly need it. They've gone from low to high. It's like, okay, let's come back to a happy medium right here. Now, and then keep reading. Kids, just keep following with me here. It says, as the, look, here it is. This is it, guys. This is the crux of it. As the Father sent me, this is resurrection day, I am sending you. And with that, he, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. It was a supernatural, powerful moment. He breathed the breath of the resurrected Christ. The Holy Spirit was imparted to them. And I believe, I, I don't really know how this looked, but they obviously just inhaled. And that was, that was their salvation experience. That's when the Holy Spirit came to dwell in them. The life And the nature of Jesus is now in them as well. It was imparted to them. And just like the life and the nature of Jesus is imparted to us at salvation, it happened to the disciples that day too. Okay, you you now see that Resurrection Sunday is a whole lot more than, than, than just an empty tomb. That is this impartation of God into us. I mean, the Holy Spirit now makes you his residence. And based upon this impartation, Jesus then said these words. He said, just as the Father sent Jesus. He, you know, basically, he's saying, just as the Father sent Jesus to be uh, my, my hands and my voice, I'm now sending you to be my voice. I'm sending you now to be my hands. This was the moment. And 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We are Christ's official representatives here on earth. So we are called to occupy until Jesus comes. Do you see that? See, since the relationship of the Father to Jesus of being the hands and being the voice is the same relationship of Jesus to us now, what that means is when we go through life, we don't speak our own words, but we speak the words of Jesus. We don't do our own works, but we do the works of Jesus. And when people see us, they see Jesus. Of course, that's where the breakdown is because you look at yourself in the mirror and it's like, I don't know about that. (laughs) But that's where God keeps working in us. He's not looking to beat you up. He's just saying, I just want more and more and more of my nature. And you just let it be, let it be. That's why we go to church. That's why we fellowship with one another. That's why we, that's why we, we spend time in the word and we pray and we worship and we give. And we're, it, because more of that nature of Christ comes into us. Just think about that. His nature, his breath is in you now. 
now. That means you've got work to do. So I illustrated it like this on my ever-growing diagram. You see, we are called to occupy. You're supposed to get out there and use your hands. Get out there and use your voice because your hands and your voice is the hands and voice of Christ in this world. And the beauty of this is for every single person, it looks a little bit different. It does. It looks a little different for every single person. And I like that because if you guys were all supposed to be called to be just like me, that would be weird. That would just be, that would, that would not be cool at all. But, but it means that you are doing God's work on what I call your cultural street. And you do this until Jesus comes or until you die, until your physical life goes away, which is not eternal death at all. Jesus said it this way. He said, occupy till I come. What does it mean to occupy? It means to do business and grow the investment God has given you. What is the investment God's given you? It's every gift, every blessing that he's given you, your intellect, your skills, your gifts. It's just all of that. Grow the investment God has given you and work until Jesus returns. Now, get this. You're you're a new creation because of the choice that you made to take the death through the cross. And as a new creation, you are now an official representative of Jesus Christ on this earth. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. This is that last place. Look back at Ephesians 2 in your Bibles. It says, we are God's handiwork. Isn't that cool? Created in Christ Jesus. Now, wait a minute. Earlier, we were with Christ Jesus. Now, we are in Christ Jesus. Now, that's even cooler. See, that's what I mean. It's like you're in Christ Jesus. That's why when people see you, they should be seeing Christ. That's why you are doing the works of Christ. This is amazing. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. In other words, he's had plans for you since the beginning of creation. Oh, I love this. The beauty of it is You might have felt like your life has no purpose and has no meaning. You might just feel like you're doing all this random stuff. You're you're doing the things that we do on earth. You're you're earning a living. You're fixing the car. You're planning for your retirement. You're raising a family. You're fixing up the house. You're feeding the dogs, whatever. All that stuff is necessary. Yes, and that's necessary for this, and it's fine. But it's all temporary. That's the stuff. And there is no blessing for eternity based upon that kind of stuff. There isn't see? But because Jesus died and he was resurrected, your life now has meaning and it has purpose because you're his agent in this earth. You're doing the works of Jesus, just like Jesus did the works of the Father, which takes us to the final point of the entire gospel story today, and it's here. We believe in eternal life and in our eternal destination. See, when Jesus comes back, (laughs) or when you physically die, whichever one happens first, I hope, I hope I get to, if I die, great, fine. I mean, you know, to die, I'm with Christ anyway. But I sure would love to be here at the moment when Jesus arrives. Oh, I would love that. You're going to live forever with Jesus. And here's the little simple way I illustrated that. As I put heaven, eternal life and reward. And there's a blue river there, which means it's not the Trinity River. Okay, please, please catch that. It's, it's, that's, that's not the Trinity. So, so you get to be in heaven with Jesus forever. And in heaven, in eternity, throughout all of eternity, New Jerusalem, everything, you will be rewarded according to how you occupied on this earth during your physical life. Now, that's critical. 
That's key right there. That's the big, big deal. See, eternal life is already yours. Jesus made that available to everyone. But in eternity, not everyone is going to have equal reward. See that? It's not all going to be equal there. It's going to be dependent upon the degree that you actually occupy. It's how you use the hands and the voice of God flowing through you. That's why around here we do cultural streets. That's why it's so important. But but, let's leave that diagram up there for a second. I want you to look at that. Where do you see yourself on this diagram? Where have you camped out? Now, none of you have camped out in heaven yet. But somewhere on the bottom of that, you've camped out there, or that's where you are right now. For every person in this room, I'm going to ask you to take one step forward. Move somewhere. Move somewhere with your life. Move somewhere with your life. Are some of you at the point of decision? Well, which decision are you going to make? Are you going to choose Jesus' death or your own eternal death in hell? Are you going to make the choice to break the curse of toxic sin over your life? Maybe you need to make the choice to serve Jesus Christ and break that and, and then enjoy, begin to enjoy all the benefits of the family of God, all the benefits of salvation. Maybe you're enjoying the benefits, but you've not yet chosen to actually do what Jesus has told you to do, and that's to be his hands and his feet. And maybe you've started figuring that out a little bit, but you're not, you've not actually chosen to really do business for Christ until he returns and to occupy and make Jesus known. Wherever you are on that, let God convict you right now. I just pray, Holy Spirit, I pray for conviction in this room. Conviction is where God convinces us of what we need to be doing, of what changes need to be made. I thank you, God, for conviction because conviction never leaves me the same. So first of all in this room, I'd I'd like for each one of you to lock yourselves in with God right now. Just lock yourself. Allow God's voice to speak to you. Because it's really not Tim talking to you right now. God's talking to you. See, we've been praying since early this morning that God will customize this message for you personally there are certain things that hit you hard and that was the voice of God that was the voice of God for you I want you to receive that as the voice of God and make a decision today what are you going to do with that so as you're being introspective first of all if there's anyone in this room you've not yet received Christ as your savior you're standing in that point of decision where you have to make a choice am I going to choose my own eternal punishment in hell, eternal death, or am I going to choose Jesus' death on the cross? You've not made that choice yet. Now is the time to make that choice because you're not promised that you're even going to be alive this afternoon. That's the truth. And once this physical life is gone, there is no more opportunity to make that choice. If that's you here today, you want to give your life to Jesus, I'm going to ask you just a second that you lift your hand for me. I will see that hand. I want to connect my faith with yours, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray with me to receive Jesus into your life. That's the first thing we're going to do right now. So is that you this morning? Do you need to receive Christ? Do you need to make the decision to receive the cross, to receive Jesus and the sacrifice that he made for you? If so, at the count of three, lift your hands for me. One, two, three, lift it up for me. Thank you. Who else? You put your hands down. Anyone else? Thank you. Let's do this. Let's pray right now. Everyone in this room, I want you to pray. If you lifted your hand, you have made the choice today 
as you pray this prayer to move out of that place of decision and into the arms of God. Church, will you pray this with me for those who are praying this and giving their lives to Christ right now? Pray this. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Wash me in your blood. Thank you for taking my punishment. Thank you for taking the sin of this world and becoming sin for me. Thank you that I don't have to deal with eternal punishment in hell. I choose your cross. I choose Jesus. Jesus' name. There are other prayers we need to be praying in this room as well. They're going to need to be some self-directed prayers. I'm going to pray over you. And, and uh, put, that, put that thing back up on the screen. Put, put it back up there one more time. Where are you on there? Where are you? Find where you are and what is God saying to you about that. I'm going to pray for just a spirit of revelation. You, you need to talk to God on your own because I can't pray this prayer. I can't lead you in this prayer, but I'm going to pray for it right now. God, I pray that you will reveal to every person in this room exactly what steps they need to take, what they need to be doing, what we need to be doing so that we are moving forward with the cause of Christ. So we are, we are not just enjoying maybe the benefits of being a Christian, but understanding that there is something more, something more. And God, God, we make choices today that when we walk out of this room, we're going to leave here different. We're going to leave here changed. We're going to leave here inspired and motivated and willing to put feet to our faith and do some things for Christ in this world to make a difference in this world. Because you're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And God, there's something every one of us are supposed to be doing to make that happen. So Lord, convict us, convince us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the City Life Podcast. If you're interested in attending our Sunday service or would like more information, go to citylifefw.org.